Hello, and welcome to a new podcast for The Lancet. I'm Gavin Cleaver. This week, we're focusing on our new Lancet Task Force on Non-Communicable Diseases and Economics. NCDs will be a major theme here at The Lancet throughout the year. Diseases such as strokes, heart disease, diabetes and cancer account for over 70% of all deaths, and of those, nearly half are in people under 60 years old. It's time to really focus on how we're going to tackle NCDs. And as our editor Richard Horton says, if a radical course correction is not made within the next 12 months, the global goal of controlling some of the biggest killers in the world today will not be achieved. In our task force on NCDs and economics, we're looking at how poverty and NCDs are intertwined, creating a vicious cycle where poverty and NCDs perpetuate each other. The task force contains evidence from 283 international studies that low socioeconomic status is consistently associated with higher rates of non-communicable disease in low- and middle-income countries. Chair of the Lancet Task Force on NCDs and Economics, Dr. Rachel Nugent, explains more. NCDs is a, is a big group, and we need to, to think a little bit about what they are as we understand how they relate to poverty. You know, what they are are diseases and illnesses that people get and that they live with for a long time in, in general. So that might be heart disease, hypertension, cancers even, and, and, and diabetes. Those are the big ones. There are other ones, too, that, were, that are not as, uh, as well known, but that also affect people for a long time. That's why we call them uh, NCVs in general. They're chronic. And so what makes them drive poverty is that people have to access medical care to handle these diseases once they have experienced them and they have to continually access medical care. And if there isn't adequate insurance or other ways that third parties can help pay for that medical care, it creates a huge and continuing burden on household pocketbooks. So that's one way is that people have to keep on paying, uh, at least in part, for their medical care. And in low and middle income countries, the vast majority of people, particularly in the lower and, and low middle income countries, the vast majority of people pay for the vast majority of their health care out of pocket. So that's number one. Um, number two is when you think about what are the risk factors for these uh, non-communicable diseases, you know, many of them are behavioral, some of them environmental. And in both of those situations, very often it's poorer people that are more exposed. And that's one of the findings. I think that's one of the really new things about what we're saying in this task force is that increasingly the exposures to these NCD risk factors uh, are uh, increasingly experienced lower on the socioeconomic scale. Not entirely so, and it's rather complex, as uh, as the SASI paper outlines in detail with regard to differences between alcohol, tobacco, uh, junk food, and sugar-sweetened beverages, if you will. You know, who's consuming it, how much they're consuming, how much they're paying. It does vary, and it varies across countries. But the general finding here, and this is the important new thing, is that the Exposures to risk factors are moving down the socioeconomic gradient, and that's very true for the environmental exposures, always has been, that those who are most exposed to poor air quality, for instance, are women and children cooking over poor stoves with, um, with biomass fuels that create a lot of particulate and other contaminants. And even in uh, cities uh, such as in, in China and in India, et cetera, you know, those who are, you know, everyone who walks outside is exposed, but those who are least able to protect themselves and, and that experience those exposures in combination with other 
health exposures that may make them more vulnerable, those are going to be the poor. So those are two major reasons why NCDs are increasingly driving poverty. So what kind of public health interventions can we make with the aim of tackling NCDs? Well, for starters, we do the public policy interventions that can be done at population level. And those include things such as the fiscal policies, the price policies that, uh, again, are discussed in the SASE paper. Now, those are really great tools. And that's one of the, the reasons for this whole task force is to say, how can we use economic tools and economic incentives to uh, prevent and then to lead people towards uh, uh, seeking treatment and continuing treatment. And so uh, an important economic tool is and always has been uh, taxes and subsidies that is very clearly incentivizes people in ways that we understand pretty well. You know, people respond to prices. They respond to how much things are going to cost. So the first and most important thing for countries to do is to say, do we have the right public policies in place? Are we incentivizing people the way we want to, or are we incentivizing the wrong things? So again, as examples, uh, using taxes to make bad things more expensive, or uh, conversely, and we have less evidence about this, but we have good theory, and the theory can lead us to uh, to test out this proposition. Conversely, subsidizing the good things, uh, it also needs to be done. And when we look at food that people have access to, at least in the United States, but also in Europe for many years, uh, in, in Japan, and in quite a few countries, and increasingly in developing countries, some of the wrong stuff is being subsidized. And when I say wrong stuff, I mean principally um, agriculture, for instance, I'll take the U.S. as an example, subsidizing maize and subsidizing you know, extensively grown crops, sugar, in ways that encourages their use as ingredients in food products, which then makes processed packaged foods cheaper and people buy it. And increasingly, again, the connection to poverty is that those kinds of foods and beverages become cheaper than healthier foods and beverages. So public health interventions, the first one, public policies. Uh, in addition, uh, in developing countries, we, we are not screening people. We're not detecting early stage disease well at all because they don't have good screening systems, uh, registries, disease registries, et cetera, uh, in many countries in place. And so we need to do that in order to identify when people have these conditions at an earlier stage and be able to slow the progression. So a person can live a, a long, healthy, and happy life uh, with high blood pressure if, they, if they've been detected, and diagnosed, and have access to the cheap antihypertensives that are available and should be available in every country. Uh, so there are many uh, low-cost and, in fact, almost no-cost things that can be done that aren't yet being done. Often it's claimed that public health interventions involving higher taxation or the removal of government subsidies for goods which are known to drive NCDs, such as alcohol, tobacco and unhealthy foods, are a direct attack on those who can least afford it. Economist Professor Franco Sassi, a contributing author on the task force, explains why this is a myth. Whether taxes penalise the poor or not uh, is an issue that has been uh, debated for a very long time uh, in health policy. And the paper that we are publishing in The Lancet today is uh, precisely aimed at dispelling the myth uh, uh, that these taxes are regressive and harm the poor disproportionately. Uh, in fact, uh, the poor are the ones who benefit the most uh, from these taxes, and uh, this uh, is 
seen very clearly across the board uh, for all the taxes that have been used by governments uh, so far. We see this in tobacco. Uh, tobacco taxes uh, uh, are financially regressive in the sense that they uh, imply a, a greater tax burden for the poor than the rich. Uh, but the health consequences of uh, using those taxes are so beneficial to the poor that they end up uh, improving their labor market position and outcomes on, on the labor market uh, in a way that makes them economically better off, offsetting all the negative impacts of, of taxation. Alcohol taxes uh, are not regressive in the majority of countries. Uh, in fact, the, the rich uh, pay disproportionately for those taxes uh, in, uh, in the vast majority of countries. And soda taxes or sugar-sweetened beverage taxes, which are applied by an increasing number of countries, uh, are only regressive in, uh, in countries uh, at high levels of income, whereas in, uh, in uh, low and lower middle-income countries, uh, uh, the heaviest consumers of those products are people of uh, high income. But even in uh, high-income countries where the poor are the heaviest consumers of sugar-sweetened beverages, the amount, uh, the extra amount they pay in taxes uh, for on sugar-sweetened beverages is uh, is very small. Just to give an example, in uh, the United States, uh, a poor household uh, would pay four extra dollars uh, in uh, sugar-sweetened beverage taxes compared to a high income household. In the United Kingdom, the new uh, sugar levy will uh, impose a higher burden of £8 per year for a household uh, of low income compared to a household of a high income. But why now? I asked The Lancet senior editor, Dr Jennifer Sargent, editor of the task force, what makes 2018 such a vital time for tackling NCDs worldwide? And what can we expect from the future? It's a really exciting year internationally. NCDs have been a neglected bystander, but their incorporation into the SDGs, particularly target 3.4, which specifically aims to reduce the number of premature deaths from NCDs by one-third um, by 2025, really brings NCDs to the center stage this year. And on an international level and a political level, um, I think people are finally sitting up and taking notice. Um, there's a UN high-level meeting scheduled for September 2018. And next week, in fact, there's going to be a WHO meeting um, where the sole focus is going to be on financing and for NCDs. And uh, in addition to that, the WHO has also started an independent high-level commission, the focus of which is purely NCDs. So there's a lot of international action and a lot of political movement t towards addressing the NCD burden globally. So your hope is by the end of 2018 we're going to have some real visible progress made? I think what we would really like to see by the end of 2018 would be real political motivation, words put into action, policies being written, policies in place that really aim to aggressively address the burden at, at an individual country level. The task force is just the beginning of NCDs at the Lancet. We have a number of initiatives this year that we'll be launching throughout the year, all in the lead-up to and beyond the UN high-level meeting in September. We're starting with the task force. Economics is absolutely fundamental to addressing the NCD burden and to develop sensible fiscal policies that will be effective on a country-level basis. We're currently working on the Lancet NCD countdown to 2030, and what we're hoping is that this is going to create an independent accountability mechanism that will 
help countries see where they're placed in achieving target 3.4 and reducing premature mortality from NCDs. And this will be an annual iteration from The Lancet, continuing so that countries can actually monitor their own progress. Further to that, we have some other projects, including a commission on global mental health and a follow-up to our 2013 commission on investing in health. And this follow-up paper, very exciting. This year, we're going to be focusing on NCDs and primary care. In the lead-up to the third UN high-level meeting on NCDs, the Lancet family of journals will publish several major NCD initiatives. If you go to info.thelancet.com slash infocus NCDs, you'll be able to sign up to receive all of our NCD updates as they're published. And of course, all five papers in this NCDs and Economics Task Force are available for free right now on thelancet.com. Thanks for listening.